Hi everyone and welcome back to WCBG. Today we have a very special interview with the Irish band Milk. If you haven't heard of them, you definitely should check out their music. They will be releasing their first EP on June 19th, so we can't wait for that. And now everybody stay tuned for our interview. pretty rough i just i just got home from america so i have to isolate myself from literally everybody for two weeks uh yeah it's, it's a bit yeah i'm just over it now like you know and yeah. um, obviously i understand it has to be done and all the rest but it's just a bit of it's gone on too long yeah i'll be fed up now it's not i don't know it's not even that bad over here anymore there's only like 60 cases a day you know what i mean it's like less than 10 people dying every day, but I don't know. We'll do what we got to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm kind of like in the epicenter of everything, so it's it's been fun. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, New York yeah. is. New York's not in a good place at all. No. no. What's it like over there? Is it scary or is it kind of, is it okay or what's, what's going on? I personally haven't really left my house. Um, I went in my yard for the first time in like three months. So. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been. Um, I don't know. It's kind of strange that like everything was kind of like shut down and canceled. And, yeah. So. It's been a I, mean, I, don't, I don't think there's any such thing as being too safe when it comes to this kind of thing anyway. Yeah. yeah. I kind of want to start with knowing how you guys have been spending quarantine. I know I've personally been listening to a lot of music to help time go by. So what have you guys been up to? Uh, reading and watching TV. I've been <laughs> trying, to, trying to write, but it's difficult. It's, it's hard to feel inspired or like get any new ideas when you're kind of just literally stuck. Yeah. And um, same, just like doing, like trying to treat it as like a weekend where you're just chilling out or whatever, but then it goes on so long. Just trying to listen to music and, and I don't know, I'm just, yeah, just trying to talk to people and re- remember how to communicate properly with humans. I, I feel like I can't anymore. Yeah, it's been, we've been allowed to do a bit more socializing and stuff recently Um, with the rules that we have now, like you're allowed to hang out in, in I think it's like groups of four if you're socially distanced properly and stuff so it's it's a lot less isolated than it once was it's easier for sure but it's still very strange there's yeah. a there's a lot of sitting in my apartment watching netflix happening uh, and <laughs> definitely more than i'd normally be proud to admit i would say but i i've restarted oh. breaking bad that's just oh yeah that's a low point <laughs> <laughs> a high point man what do you mean <laughs> There's a lot going on on that show. It's not. It's not easy to watch again. No, it's quite taxing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna ask this question. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I want to know how did you guys meet and become a band? How we meet? We all. We all. We all yeah, we all kind of met. In, like I, I was in. I was in another band a few years ago and I met Connor Gorman through them because he would have been good mates with them. And uh, 
me and Morgan were in the same year in college, uh, and we didn't really, we didn't really get to know each other until maybe second year, and then yeah, yeah. yeah it would have been like second year, and then I got to know Connor King uh, because he was just known in our college as being the best bass player, and we really wanted him to play bass for us, so yeah. we just kind of approached there's, him and got to know him. That way. There's hardly any bass players in the college, so. <laughs> that's why um, but no yeah we, we all went to college together I don't think like I was only thinking about this I can't remember one like oh I met it wasn't like oh I met Morgan at this party or met Connor at this party or Mark. it was just I just would have known them from being around if that makes sense um, like our college was more like a secondary school than a college it's like two buildings and you just, if you had class at the same time as someone else you'd probably have the same break so you'd just be hanging out Really? That was it I think that's pretty interesting. I know, like, my campus was, like, huge. Well, not huge. There weren't a lot of kids, but it, it's just a big campus with a lot of residential life. So oh, okay. Yeah, ours was, ours is tiny. Like, it's, uh, I think <laughs> the college we went to, there was only, like, a thousand people in the college. And then some of those would be part-time students. So you'd, you'd know most of the full-time students, really. Like you'd know who they are anyways. And then knew like, yeah, Mark from playing in bands and Morgan playing in bands and stuff. And then me and Connor, like I was only in the year above Connor, so we had the same friends and stuff. So And then just with kind of how small and local the scene is, there aren't really that many people that are in bands actively. Like if you find yourself going to gigs at the at a certain level for a long time, you'll invariably run into, you know, the same kind of small group of people that hang out in the same places and think a little more like you and everything. And as that happens more, it's, uh, I don't know, like the lads were saying, there was no one big like Eureka moment with the whole thing, but we were all just kind of aware of one another for a long time. And uh, yeah, then Mark started sending me things on WhatsApp, songs he was working on and stuff. And we were talking about them together. And that had been the bits that he was working on with Connor Gorman. And um, then Connor King came along. And now we're all one big happy family. Happy family. Yeah. I personally love this question because I feel like it's kind of like a fate moment. I don't know. It's kind of things just fall into place in a way where it's like this is just kind of makes sense. Yeah. 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 I think because at the time I was uh, playing for like a lot of different acts, like not not in the band as such, but just like you know being like a session musician, and I like that world, but. It hadn't really crossed my mind to to be to join a band, be in a band. And then I heard some of the stuff that the guys were working on. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm all about this. Like this is great, and yeah. you know all the rest. How did you guys pick your respective instruments? Went out like a pair. So we had a an old acoustic knocking about the gaff around our house. So I had to I just kind of inevitably picked it up. And he showed me a few chords, and that was it. And then YouTube led the way from there, and I became amazing. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I learned drums first. I learned yeah, I just I learned how to play drums, and I uh, really enjoy just learning how to play things and just learning music in general. So I asked my dad if he teach me a few basic things on uh, on guitar, and then I start learning how to play a few Father Boy tunes, and then uh, <laughs> I uh, googled, I googled a, a a chord chart thing and just kind of learned from looking at the chart, just kind of practice switching from one chord to another. 
and just mm. suppose stuck with guitar. I don't know. I don't know why, but I just did. <laughs> um, I was involved with a, a local like youth club, and there was this national competition at the time, which was Get Your Glee On, in the height of like Glee mania. And in my local club, it was either there's these like three older guys who were really cool, and they there was a drummer and two guitar players. So it was either I learned bass because that was the only thing left, or I would sing and dance as part of the singing and dancing brigade. And that was a no for me. So my granddad had a, my granddad's a musician and he had a bass at his house and he let me borrow it and just kind of took it up from there really. I remember. Nice. <laughs> I, um, I started playing drums when I was, it, I would have been around three. My uncle played drums too. Um, and there was always a drum kit in that family home and I was always pretty fascinated by it when I was a kid in the way that you would be. They just look big and loud and you kind of want to be allowed to mess with them. So then from my third birthday, I was kind of allowed to sneak into that room and mess around whenever I was in that house. And then um, my dad and I, he played guitar and then dad and I kind of made a thing of it where every week we would hang out and we would just play some music, try and play some songs together. So I'm sure there was many years where he was just putting up with me making awful, awful sounds. Uh, but yeah, he taught me to do it then weekly for years and years. And I got formal lessons from when I was like eight. Um, but yeah, I kind of have my dad and my uncle to credit for my playing drums, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it's been the only thing I've ever been that good at since. So I've just kept going, I suppose. Peak to three. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still on a nice slow decline, but no one's noticed. I like yeah. to think the instrument picks the person, not necessarily the person picks the instrument, because it kind of just makes sense that way. Like, that's a much more philosophical way. Yeah, yeah that sounds way better than what I said. <laughs> yeah, sure. I wish I said that instead of going on about glee. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the reason I say that is I used to play an instrument. I used to play trumpet before college happened. And I was not my first choice, but I was handed it. And it was like, this is now yours. And it's kind of like uh, shaped how I at least listen to music. So I like to think. Yeah. That. <laughs> my next question for you guys. I always like to know a little bit more about who I'm speaking with. So what is your favorite album in your personal collection? And by personal collection, I mean you physically own it. Physically, uh, probably 22 a million by Bonnie Bear. It's probably just my general favorite album of all time, but uh, I, I, I still kind of buy CDs and stuff like that on and off. I never really stopped doing that for some reason. I, I, I like refused to get Spotify for years because I was still buying CDs, but then eventually I just gave in and got Spotify because okay. I was like. Just a bit of a loser, refusing to watch Spotify. Like, what's that about? It sounds yeah. better. <laughs> Taking a stand. <laughs> like, what, 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 what was I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I'm only going to shoot them down. Um, I haven't bought a physical record in years. I'm a total new age cat. <laughs> like, probably the best record that I have is like Foo Fighters Greatest Hits or something. I mean, I mean, it's a great It's the greatest of them, like, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best of what they've got. Yeah, I would have to say, yeah. 
I think uh, I'm I'm very lucky in that my dad owns a lot of vinyl, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as saying I own it just to have a better answer because otherwise it'll be like now sixty seven or something. But yeah, I'm gonna say uh, Sergeant Pepper's by the Beatles because I just think it's I think that is like there's a before and after that in terms of music and production of pop music because they're a pop band, but what they did with sound. So that's my answer, and I'm sticking to that. I can't pick 22 million because Mark picked 22 million. So despite how salty that makes me, I'm going to let leave that be your option. I'm going to go with uh, Black Sands, the Bonobo album. Because um, I can see it from where I'm sitting and I know it to be very, very good. Um, <laughs> right now, right this second, that's my number one. Um, but I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge record guy either. Um, but I do really love that one and it's over there. So that's nice. <laughs> The only other album beyond. Yeah. Excuse me, man. I think at least owning a physical copy of an <laughs> album has kind of increased recently due to streaming services like Spotify. Like, I know during this quarantine, I think I spent, you know, I bought like eight vinyls just because I didn't know what else to do. But I was like, okay, let's increase my own yeah. collection. So, yeah. what is your opinion of streaming services like Spotify? I mean, they're. they're... They're doing baseless photos. I mean, they're, they're getting the music out there and they're getting the listens and getting people known. I think, I just think they need to pay their artists a bit more. I mean, their whole their whole service depends on the music and the artists. So to not be paying them that much is a bit, it's a bit naff. Yeah. It does definitely offer you a way better opportunity at getting your music to people who are further from you or who may not otherwise have heard it like it's been great for getting rid of i guess geographical constraints on listening to music like we definitely have reached people in more faraway places faster as a result of this for sure but then there is just a lot less revenue like that the issue of them not paying the artists enough is always prevalent kind of an i don't know it's unfortunate because we're also so aware of all the good parts too we don't want to be seen to be yeah, back I, the whole streaming model too much but it has its flaws for sure yeah yeah I, I think it's still in its infancy and they will be able to work it out like i i have no issue with it because i think the good parts outweigh the bad parts for sure and i think the fact that people are still buying records it's not as if that industry is completely gone like i, I think it's very easy to point the finger at spotify but if people in charge were maybe on the digitalization buzz a bit more 20 years ago, then they could have paved the way for more revenue, but no one wanted to know about it. And then Spotify came along and changed things. So, fair play. Yeah. I mean, if Spotify didn't exist, we'd all still be using LimeWire, realistically. <laughs> <laughs> Disaster. And no one gets paid for that. So. No. <laughs> yeah, someone once told me that Spotify was probably the. Um, creation of people illegally downloading music yeah it definitely was i think it's an interesting service um i'm not gonna lie i use it like every day but i think it's great for exposure and i know it sucks pay wise but i also personally don't like how they have that monthly listener count like i feel like i shouldn't be able to see that i feel like that should just belong to the artist because i feel like it changes people's perception of the person definitely yeah i never i never I never really thought about that, yeah. but it's an interesting way of, kind of like looking at it. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think that ultimately, if that affects your listening experience, something was going to get you. Like for me, if I really back the artist I'm listening to, I I don't know if I would pay that much heed to that. Maybe in a in a certain kind of music, or if I were to approach releasing in a certain way or something, it might have more of an effect. But I don't know. I personally, if I I'm seeking a certain kind of music and that artist is the one that gives it to me. I'm going to go to that guy, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, for sure. I know what you mean. It could definitely be weaponized or used in the wrong way, but I think that you can't really be held accountable for that on the consumers. And like, that's up to you guys. If, if somebody wants to go and look at the figures in that way, they're going to find them, you know? Um, <laughs> If you, if you, I don't know. If you're I guess you just have to keep your, things people would like. If you're going to base why you're listening to them off, how many monthly listeners they are, I think <laughs> you're listening for the wrong reason to begin with. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I know here it affects touring a lot for how artists, um, the lineups are, that are created or if a certain act is added. So I could be different here, but I've oh. noticed that a lot in at least touring in america yeah I, I get that but at the same time it, it is a business and there's money involved and if it's between you to book a gig and there's an act with a hundred thousand monthly listeners and an act with two monthly listeners like i'd rather be you know it is a business at the end yeah. of the day so i i understand it from that point of view um from a, from a business sense i wouldn't really have much issue with it because i will say that spotify are quite proactive and in telling you how to engage more and how to grow yourself more like they offer um like advice to artists how to do that so i think that will all like that's been the case from the dawn of time where people want you know who's number one in the charts who's it, there will always be some metric and that is what defines your success so that won't change okay so if you could change anything about the music industry as it is today what would it be and why not have to uh, as well as try and make tunes. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, uh, yeah. Fair streaming revenue. Fair streaming yeah. revenue. I suppose it would just be, yeah, fair pay for the artists and stuff. Like people have to rely on live shows and merch. But like, I mean, at the heart of it, it's it's music. So they should be getting paid for the music. You shouldn't be getting paid to make a few T-shirts. Mm. I I think I'd like to change um like the kind of like the commercialization to an extent where obviously say like Ariana Grande will, will be huge no matter what, but if like radio stations could just dedicate maybe 10%, 15% of their radio plays to these emerging artists and help bring people up a bit more, I think that would be amazing. Um, probably just, that'd be one thing I'd change is yeah, just how you can listen to the radio and it might be the same six or seven artists all the time. I mean, it's great and fair play to them. I'd love to be in their position. But if there was just a, a bit of time allocated, like in Ireland, for example, I think they brought it into law, didn't they? That like 10% of radio play has to be Irish artists. I think it has to be Irish artists. Yeah, I think so. But then a lot of that, the easy way out is just to put on U2 songs, which, <laughs> you know, like great, but it's it's not um, serving the purpose. Not what we were it's, getting at, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you two are, are going to be big anyway. Like, you know, yeah. they're fine. They're doing all right. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. I don't think we have, like, I know, like, if I were to tune into Z100, it's the same four artists and the same 20 songs every other hour. And it's yeah. so frustrating, which is kind of like why I do what I do here. 
to find artists who I think should be showcased in a sense that maybe they're not necessarily in kind of bring to light this kind of stuff yeah for sure it's just how you consume things as well like I think it's important for artists to remember that like if music is the most passionate thing in your life it isn't in everyone else's and someone else might just want to put on the radio on their way to work and sing along with the song they already know and that's totally fine you know um so I think artists need to realize as well that it isn't uh, not everyone cares as much as you might like to and come to terms with that we have a question that was created by our PR director grace and i'm going to be 100 percent honest i'm sorry this is a very tough question um what is your opinion of releasing an artist's unreleased music after they've passed away should it be released or should it not that is a big one <laughs> I mean, obviously, there is a precursor there that you would need to, in situations where there's a clear declaration one way or the other from the artist that has passed away, that yeah, they yeah. would like it handled a certain way. To me, it's always imperative that that is adhered to, whatever that might be, whether that's to release it all or hang on to all of it. And I think that posthumous kind of, I guess, if it feels like it's out from under them at all that's kind of that's always unusual to me but then there's definitely that whole preserving the legacy angle too like you should get the things out if they had been working on them and they wanted them to be received and stuff i guess it depends if there's an obvious prior discussion about whether it should be done or not i don't know yeah that is a very tough question i mean unless the file is called do not release this or something I think it's safe to assume that they were making that song to be heard by the public. Right. So I think right, that's a tough question. Unless unless yeah. they were like known to yeah. not releasing until they're perfect or like their family were like telling you to not release or anything like that. I think yeah. it's, I think it's case by case. People are making yeah, things that, to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, it's yeah, case by it's case. Definitely for sure. case by case thing. Because I, I think I read somewhere the Prince has like 900 unreleased songs and i don't think they will get released i think it gets messy when you know people's estates get involved and they realize oh well we're sitting on stuff on a hard drive here that could be worth millions um yeah that's where it gets messy the thing is though in some cases like the the obvious kind of counter argument to that one would be that situation where the release of the music that's being worked on helps those that are still coping with the grief to process the grief so in certain cases like mac miller's one for example there was definitely a kind of a sense there that like his community and his family and his people kind of got together to present this big project after he died and it was sort of the you know it helped all of them to get over it and helped people to honor him correctly and stuff and when it's done like that that's totally cool so i think it as long as it's done i guess to the wishes of those closest to the artist ultimately in the end Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's good either way but I definitely am aware that releases like Mac Miller's can help with I guess the catharsis of the whole death yeah. of everybody near them because as well as being incredibly famous he is just a young man and he had a family and all the rest so yeah, yeah. you know I don't think there's a right answer to the question really for sure I think there's a difference between the Mac Miller project and then let's say like you know, where every five years there seems to be a new Jimi Hendrix song found. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't think you wanted this out there. I think, okay, yeah, that's not the same. You know. uh, so I'll give a little backstory on this question. It came about because of the little peep songs that were released and how they kind of sounded like unfinished bedroom demos. And then yeah. Mac Miller's album came out and we thought that was like tactfully done. So we try to bring up this uh, topic of maybe like artist wills or maybe putting it in a contract or reading the contract to make sure like what you want is released because you also know that sometimes um they go through phones for like voice memos and then put them into songs so it's pretty interesting to see like the extremes with this question and as you said there is no right answer but it's just to kind of start this the ball rolling on what could potentially happen it's i think one of the one of the most like breathtaking albums recently for me was the last bowie album blacks there where he knew he was going to die and that was like really strange to listen to um but i think he passed very shortly afterwards didn't he um that's like two days after it came out yeah yeah and i know that's a different thing because a lot of the examples you made there they didn't know they're going to pass but it's uh it is a strange thing i suppose it's you know, if, if there was a new Da Vinci painting found in the morning, would you want it kept away or not? It's a similar thing. It's art. Mm. Was it finished, though, the painting? I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I know it's complicated. There's so many different moving parts to what could happen and what might have happened and i know like as a listener like you always want to hear more music but at the end of the day would the yeah. artists have actually been happy with what was released if they didn't know beforehand that's the thing yeah i don't know yeah yeah you know you're right that was a tough question you're right <laughs> yeah you can tell me we don't have an answer for it we don't have it yet give us apparently, a couple apparently elvis is still alive so we should go ask him yeah find him so my next question is very unrelated but um it was asked at our freshman orientation and we ask everybody we interview if you can be any item in the kitchen what would you be and why milk milk yeah uh probably probably a good a good a good fork or something everyone everyone needs a fork You're you're disappointed when there's no forks you know everyone needs a fork Unless yeah. you're in a world of soup. <laughs> you probably you get a little bit. You just it'll be a bit slower, but you get a little bit on there. A little bit every now and again. Uh, I'd be the the good, you know, like the good uh, cutlery. Like the yeah. cutlery that gets dished out at Christmas, like the good stuff. Because <laughs> you don't really have to do that much throughout the year, and everyone really values you. I think just your average utensil yeah. can easily get thrown away, but you want to be like one of the. That's true. There's cutlery. a lot of reverence with being a kind of a nice. A finer knife or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, like, maybe like, like a plate that's like kept up in like a glass case, like a yeah, fine china, yeah. and you're never allowed yeah. to use it. That's a weird I'll go with that. I'm gonna be the the frequently glorified cake stand. Um, <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not actually up to all that much, but when you use me, it's gonna look. It's gonna it's look pretty great. fantastic, and it's I can be put away guess. with with minimal mess. And yeah, that's what I'm going for. Uh, I feel like a kettle, just on the ball every day, no problem. <laughs> Reliable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. You need, you need a cup of tea, I'm here for you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll do that. 
That'll be me. Well, you'll be replaced every few years, though. Yeah, well, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) But then does he, that question, does he continue to be the kettle if that's the role he's chosen? You know what I mean? There's there's layers here. Layers. Or maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I love that question because, like, we were asked that, and you don't know anybody, and you're just kind of like, "Oh, what do I say?" Like, you feel so judged. (laughs) Oh, I said it'd be a knife because I have a sharp wit. Oh, that's a much better answer than all of us. I I think I'm way more concise. Yeah, I think Americans are better at those kind of answers. We're like, "Well, uh, for the next (laughs) this," um, yeah. Can you tell me about your latest song that was just released and the story behind it? Yeah, um, I was I was away for work and I I thought I heard it in my head and I thought it was like a song that existed and then after like a day of singing it I realized, and looking for it I realized it didn't exist so I just wrote it and then I <laughs> went back to my apartment and made a demo out of it and then uh, I think. I think I sent the demo to Adam. I can't remember. Adam's our producer, but um, we well, I, I I wrote it when I was away, and then we went into Adam, and kind of showed it to him and wanted to keep that kind of a uh, sincerity to it, because everything we had done previous was a bit more high quality production. So uh, we just kind of took our time with it. I suppose it was probably the longest it took us to record any song I think because the amount of parts that we had to get in to record like the trumpet player and stuff like that I have a question was it in 6-8 or 3-4 or neither I love this I counted in this discussion yeah we had this discussion the day of recording because of the feel with the strumming and how how many different ways you could strum it Uh, I I would say 6-8 yeah Personally. when we do it live i have to be super careful that everybody knows where we are and so that's easiest i count in in six gives everyone a bit more of a chance to get their bearings so as far yeah. as a music theory argument i don't know how well it being in six holds up but it works for us okay. yeah i thought it was uh, in six because of the bounce like it has this really nice like grounded root but the way um it i don't know it kind of had that bounce of like that two feel in six eight at least that's how i counted it in my head when i first yeah started. there's there's yeah. a there's an old um, video of when I first wrote it, and I think I think I was strumming it like the original strumming pattern that I had was different. But I think it had been so long since I played it that when I came back to it, I just subconsciously changed it into the six eight feel. I think I feel it in six for sure, for sure in six eight. Yeah, well, I don't really six, like six, count six, eight, anyway. six, eight. Yeah. <laughs> No one's saying <laughs> it's actually an 11 if you listen really close. <laughs> well, it's probably the whole song, it's just a polyrhythm. It's actually a 4 4. <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. I haven't heard many songs, at least recently released, that were in a time signature that wasn't 4 4. So that was very exciting for me. Yeah, that, that, it wasn't a conscious decision, really. I think. I think when I wrote it, and then a few, yeah, few days later, I was probably like, oh, it's 6 8. It wasn't like a going into it being like, I want this to be 6 8. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine it, uh, this song. I couldn't imagine being straight. Like, I couldn't imagine it 
Yeah, it just wouldn't work. It has that like dreamlike kind of sway to it. I would say. Mm. Yeah, you can hear so but... many different parts in the song. At least like on first listen, I was like, oh okay, and then I had to listen to it a couple more times to hear all the different moving parts, which I thought was really, really nicely done. So. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. It's... What's your favorite part of a song that you've written? These are tough questions. <laughs> Uh, there's some unreleased uh, there's, there's some stuff coming out very soon and there's uh, there's something on it that like on part two which is like I, I didn't write it but I think that is a buzz just that would be my answer that doesn't make any sense because you don't know what I'm talking about but yeah, yeah. The, the, I know the one Connor means there's an unreleased work that it, it's it's an instrumental and that's got some of the more kind of I don't know, I guess adventurous production. There's some pretty crazy stuff going on in that one. So I think as far as it being kind of forward thinking, that's probably about as brazen as we've been today. I think, um, I think maybe the the little the riff in uh the hook in a little more. So I remember the day I wrote it and I thought I'd peaked. I thought I I am songwriting. <laughs> I have completed songwriting. Um, I love the the second second verse and always on time. The second half of it, and the bass goes back up the octave and all the harmonies come back in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm at least of the stuff that's come out so far. I really like the end of Always on Time. I like how kind of. Hmm. cacophonous and wide it all sounds compared to how it starts there's a nice moment when it's kind of trailing off and the acoustic guitar comes back in and I really enjoy that kind of light and shade that's probably my favorite one of what we've put out so far at least like the music you guys release is different than what I normally listen to so I was very very excited when I found your band um uh based on i don't know there was a certain care in the instrumentals and the lyricism that was just composed very very well and i liked the different aspects that you put in the songs that you released like as i said like it's not this stagnant type of music it's very like you're going through a journey through the song which i thought was very clever that's all we needed to hear there. Yeah, yeah. Can we use that quote? <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Thanks a million. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's definitely what what I kind of strive for when writing songs anyway. We... Instead of just kind of making it feel like like you just kind of chew on when, a song. What is your writing process like? Uh, usually either me or or Gormy, Conor Gorman, but uh, young, young Conor Gorman, would uh, write an idea of something and then do up a quick demo of it on Logic and send it into our WhatsApp chat. And then we kind of input our ideas there or we'd send a session to each other and kind of record our own little bits into it and then send it back to each other until it kind of gets to a place that we're happy enough with to go to Adam with. Sometimes we, we, we're kind of stuck with the demo and we're not really sure what we can do. So we just kind of go to Adams and take it apart and rebuild it in, in his studio, see what happens there. Yeah. 
Pretty much. Yeah, I would say like Mark and Connor are definitely the the main uh, creative boys there, and then uh, like I I feel myself there's probably a more of a role of like when we're in the studio like throwing different ideas out and different arrangement things and whatever. And it's it is very modern, I'd say the way we do things. Like we don't meet up and then be like, okay, let's write a song together all in a room. You know, it's it isn't like that at all. Everyone has their input at the end of the day, kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's yeah, pretty interesting. Sure. I, a lot of bands do very different things with their writing processes, and I think it stems from like I love how you said it's like collaborative, in a sense where everyone's kind of contributing their own parts, but there's also like this basic foundation to like grow off mm. of, which. <laughs> plays a role I think later on with like the layering and production which I thought was pretty interesting yeah like I, I don't think it'd be an element of any song where if one person really didn't like it it'd be in there you know it is as Connor said everyone there is room to go no I don't like this even though I might not have wrote this section I don't like it we're not you know it's not a dictatorship or anything <sighs> What's your favorite part of the studio process? Uh, probably actually recording the parts. Everything else is surprisingly boring. Yeah. Kind of sitting around, like hearing the same things on loop, making sure everything sounds right, trying to work out why something doesn't sound right. Yeah, Mark yeah. especially loves listening to isolated vocal takes. Um, oh, I love it. No, I love it. <laughs> Please play me my voice with nothing back. It's the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. It's, um, I always, the, the recording process for me is always really fun just because Adam is a really close friend of ours anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's nice in that we all know we have to get work done and we're there to, to do a job, obviously. But it is far more fun than we'd be having if we were working with somebody that wasn't so. I guess involved in our personal lives you know like he's a peer of ours for sure and another uh he started as a college friend initially as well um and has produced everything that we've put out and so i think generally the environment in studio and the fun we can have is probably uh increased by how well we all know him that would be my answer to that for sure i i would say i enjoy just being there because we are very much like the way we write isn't all in a room together unless we're gigging we we might not always be in a room together and um, so i enjoy that aspect of things and then just the creative process because it's not a thing where we go in being like this is exactly what we're going to record and that's it yes very open so just where different things come out of and trying different things that's that's fun you know it's weird it's just relaxed i mean adam calls his studio flake studios and it is a really relaxed environment like he goes out he cooks us food and he's a seriously good cook <laughs> yeah. so he makes fire beats and he's fire in the kitchen and then <laughs> i go enjoy it at the end like adam like obviously yeah he does he's professional with other people and he finishes up at like nine o'clock sometimes we're, we end up there at like still at like three in the morning and like we'll get like a couple of beers and like have a barbecue and then listen back to what we've done during the day and then kind of come up with more ideas for it so I like that. That's always a nice vibe. It's just nice and friendly and yeah. chill, you know? Yeah. Okay, so this next question is where I normally vicariously live through everybody else. When quarantine was not a thing, 
Um, what was the scene like where you're from? Music scene in Dublin is, yeah, it's very, very good. It's very tight-knit. It's small. And, yeah, it's small, but, like, I think it's it's good that way because everyone yeah, supports everyone. each other and everyone knows each other. There's no, like, well, there's competition in a sense that there are other bands who exist, but no one's, like, out to get anyone. Else. There's not, like, rival bands or anything like that. Like, everyone's mates at the end of the day. Yeah, and people and, are uh, supportive and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's 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 just a very strong community in general here because it's kind of it's among youth anyway in Dublin. It's probably one of the biggest things we have, and it's definitely one of the biggest ways for us to communicate and bond. Mm. Even if if it's with a group of people you don't know, or a group of people from an area you're not familiar with, everyone kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Everyone kind of, uh, I don't know, I've got an easy way out, comes together as fellows or something, over uh, kind of that mutual respect for the musicians of Dublin, like the young musicians anyway. I, I'd agree. I think because the scene is, like we, we all went to the music college and you know different people from playing, like you're doing different shows and you're on the bill with the same bands and, and then you might end up playing, just doing loads of different gigs basically. It's it does help because everyone wants to see everyone do well. And But Dublin itself is so small. Like if you are just around town, you'll probably bump into someone, you know? So it is very tight knit. I, I wouldn't say it's small in the sense there isn't much going on. I just mean the number of people doing it isn't large, but it is, I say we punch way above our weight um, for like a small city, you know, in terms of what we produce. Yeah. So I'm from there is no scene. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no scene is scene. I'm from Staten Island, New York. You've got the Wu Tang Clan. What are you on about? Okay, like, you like have that. the Wu Tang. Venue. Well, we have one venue that maybe, if you're lucky, will let a band play. But like, there's no uh, young college. Well, there's two college age bands here but right. no one performs here it's like oh. it's kind of we we'll, we'll come if we get over as far yeah, as we, yeah. we'll come to that venue. We'll, go, we'll go to that one venue yeah, that one venue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so school of rock was filmed on my campus yeah. which is exciting and sad that we don't really have music here like of a, like we have maybe we have concert bands and like jazz bands because everyone learns in school, but we don't really have anything like flourishing. It's 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 a shame, yeah. Like, I suppose you, maybe it take maybe it'll take that for there to become a scene, you know. So maybe it's maybe people like yourselves trying to promote local bands and promote other bands in the locality. Then maybe that's what it needs. Maybe be the change you want to see in the world. That's yeah. it. More discussion and more organize a reunion. Yeah, more discussion and more interest is how scenes develop. So I guess if it's got to start somewhere, this is definitely the right right thing to be doing. Can I just say that I was, I don't know how, but I came across an article the last day. It must be like Google, because you mentioned School of Rock. Google were giving me stuff about School of Rock. And you know, you know, Zach Attack, you know, the guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. He's in bits. He's like been arrested loads of times for stealing <laughs> guitars. And he's like, God drug issues and all. I was like, no, no, <laughs> what do you mean? So is, so 
theatre is big at your school, but not like commercial music. No. Because everyone is, pre- presumably, is everyone just trying to get to Broadway? Is that the... Um, we're big with pre-professional programs, so like nursing, okay. physician's assistant, business, and then there's the theatre program, yeah, where everyone basically uh, wants yeah, to be yeah. on Broadway. And then there's everybody else. That sounds okay. like a perfect recipe for getting a little scene going. All the little people who don't fit in, that's what it all is. Like, yeah. yeah, you would think. <laughs> you would think a lot of things. That... The only good thing about obvious divisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have each other. American school doesn't make any sense to me. Like, uh, my apartment in Dublin, we, um, it's me and my girlfriend, and then there's a girl from, um, she's from... Pennsylvania but she did she did piano in new in a school just north of New York somewhere uh Pro, not prosperous I can't remember what it's called but um but anyways and she's in Trinity now doing a master's and the way she talks about her college education is insane like I I just don't understand how people are that clicky in like as adults I just I don't understand it so like you know when Jack Black's in the van and he's pulling up to that school that that's that's the building that we had class in and I think people don't realize even people who go to Wagner probably don't realize that the movie was filmed here so if you go to the school of rock school I mean you don't even know that it was filmed there I don't know what to tell you. Like. Yeah, I was obsessed with that movie as a kid. I can't oh, yeah, imagine yeah. going there and not noticing that. I would have freaked out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So y'all are hypothetically traveling together in the van. Um, what are three songs that must be in your playlist? Three songs that must be in the playlist. Uh, the whole band. Either. It's up to you. I, I don't have preference. I'm gonna say one of them will have to be. What's that song? Uh, what's it called? Soak up the sun or something by Shania Twain. Shut up! <laughs> it's an unbelievable song. What do you mean, shut up? It's such oh, yeah. a good okay. song. We have three tunes back. <laughs> listening to Shania Twain. Yeah, that's suppose that's one. You have two now. <laughs> two left. It's either that or semi term life by third eye blind sleep. Never stick on BB King 12 bar blues for you. <laughs> I, I like blues, uh, I just don't like when you play it. <laughs> I'm going to have to say um, Stick It to the Man by the original cast of School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. Um, do you know what's the, right, the cruising tune? Is um, uh, Life is a Highway. By Rascal Flatts. Uh, yeah. Absolutely cruising tune. Or Gomi's going to come in here now with Eagles. like Sirens by Icarus or something. Gomi's going to come in here with like John Hopkins or something. Some, something that's oh, too we serious. We need one kind of jokey tune. Can I put like, can I suggest JPEG Mafia? Is that allowed? Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Any JPEG Mafia song. Talk, talk Tears. Talk Tears is on the playlist. Um, <laughs> Uh, and okay, we've got one left. We've got Shania Twain, we've got Pogue Tears. I want to go Rascal Flats, like, I want a Rascal Flats tune on there. <laughs> Shania Twain, Rascal Flats, Pogue Tears. No, actually, do you know what I want? I want like um, one of those YouTube videos, like, uh, like Redbone, but it's all out of key. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, will we try and do an actual answer to this question? I don't want to have. I don't, I don't have Shania Twain on there, regardless. Joke or not? Are you just Shania? 
Okay, so let's have another go at this. We imagine we are in a car for a long time and we've only got three tunes. This is important. <laughs> I got three tunes. Morgan's not taking this lightly. No, I'm not listening to Schneider. <laughs> That's your loss, man. That's your loss. <laughs> Whatever. Got three tunes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think when we did the last little run of shows, like what we were listening to. It was just Max playlist. Yeah, Max Discover Weekly. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's either my Discover Weekly or the same, the same two songs on a This is what we're trying to figure out. What would the two songs be? You like? We all uh, like Roy Blair. Yeah, yeah, we do all like Roy Blair. Actually, throw Roy Blair tune in there. Put a Roy Blair tune in. Probably um, something like anything off Big Fish Theory by Vince Staples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Go with a bit of yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, really, like party people. Yeah, right, or something like that. Yeah. Um, do you know what? Depending on the on the kind of spin, I wouldn't be opposed to a bit of Fontaine's. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Liberty Bell or Poison Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, Shit. that's a good tree. That's a stronger tree. Yeah. And Shania Twain. It's like a <laughs> yeah. hidden track. Bonus track. <laughs> <laughs> Every every five times it repeats, so that's why it goes on. <laughs> God, that disaster. So, what musicians inspire you to be a better musician? Uh, these are very good questions. Thank these you. are the kind of questions that, like, that, like, I don't expect to come up, so I don't think of them at all. I say, I mean, it, we we give this answer a lot in every interview we do, but for me, it'll probably be. Oliver, because I just think Shot. he's a very progressive musician, and everything he does seems to seems to always just be unbelievable. And some of the sounds he has in songs is absolutely outrageous, and I don't even have the slightest clue of how he did them. Mm. So I just think he's 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 probably one of those people out there who's pushing the boundaries of music rather than just kind of recycling his old stuff. I I have to say, um, just in terms of like respect, and that Quincy Jones would be up there just to have arranged and produced some of those kind of albums. Um, is you gotta give gotta give props to Quincy. And when you listen back to those like old Michael Jackson records, they sound as good now as they did then. So it's just to create a sound like that that is still sounds good and people still dance it is huge. Feel lots of still thinking. Yeah. What's your acting Do you know what? You know what? Because what was the question? It was like to make us better as musicians. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like fine where I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> it's, not, it's already all over for me. Like, I'm never going to be slashed, shredding a solo over any more chance. I'm not. And I'm okay with that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. Playing some cute little yeah. things. So. So probably like from an arrangement or a production point of view. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like production. Like man, like that Billy Irish record's mad, like I think Phineas is crazy. I think I think production is like the way forward for music in general. Like everyone wants to get better at production. I mean, I've been playing guitar since I was well, like seventeen now. I'm not even that cool on the guitar. I just kinda do a few bits, like I just fill out a few songs. I'm like I'm not Unbelievable by now, like forget about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 I hear that. What about you, Monks? What do you think? For me, I think I don't really view 
how I write songs to be too closely linked with my own playing of the drums like it's not so much about my discipline for me as it is writing to the song and serving the song so I'm not a huge technique nerd and I don't spend a huge amount of time studying that kind of it as long as long as I know that I'm fulfilling my role within the song and I do it in a remotely unique way and I manage to be expressive then that's fine so I've never been hugely into the really academic way that drums was taught like I took a lot more out of meeting people in college than I did from, you know, drumming specific exercises. So for me, I really like how the drum tracks work in LCD sound system music. Uh, I think their songs are great. And I think how simple it can be and yet how kind of universally appreciated those songs are and how it brings people together is really what you're after. Because it's not anything to do with overly performative or overly flashy writing it's just really concisely deliberately well written um i don't know i guess infectious music and that's what i aim for and how i play live um yeah a good musical decision executed with energy and fun anything that does that for me is a positive influence i would say can you describe your sound for me in four words since there are four of you you can each do one word again um, still word each progressive um, straight in there who's your mind shaking his head straight in there just with the meat and potatoes answer just <laughs> no thought <laughs> let's, see, let's see what this line comes up in there oh. <laughs> um, so that's progressive pop I'm going to say varied Ah, <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> oh, come on! Can I full stop? <laughs> full stop. Um, I I would say it's uh, you've you've taken the words right out of my mouth, Morgan. There now, with varied. I would say unpredictable. Ooh, nice. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm very excited to release, uh, like the next body work that's being released and how different things are. I think that it will be exciting um, for people to. Yeah. This is probably my favorite question. I love how bands describe themselves because I might not pick the same words, and yeah. it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, same. Good that we're on the same page, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> we want to be like. Yeah, it's good that none of us said bluegrass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a disaster. Yeah. I think your music's very dynamic, which is great. Like as I said earlier, I love the fact that nothing sounds the same, but there's similar aspects in the songs. Yeah. Which kind of makes yeah. it flow. Oh, I've I've got a word for you. Okay. Continu continuity. <laughs> oh Jesus! I know. No, that's actually a bad. That's a bad one. I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with unpredictable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thought I get more reaction like. Okay, and my last question, because I don't want to keep you guys too long, is uh, what are your goals for 2020? Or if you want, you can do. 2021 because 2020 yeah. has kind of been cancelled 